0: Darren, thank you so much for joining the UX podcast. It's amazing to have you here to tell us all about retail. Before I dig into my questions, I think it would be amazing for the audience to just hear a little bit about you and your journey to Shopify.
1: Sure. Thanks, Lola. Thanks for having me on. My name is Darren. I've been here four and a half years now. I worked at Mozilla prior I'm on the Firefox browser. And yeah, during this time, I've managed a couple of different teams. I was discipline oriented at the beginning. So I was managing product design in Toronto, across all of our product groups. And then for the last basically four years, I've been focused on the retail problem space. And so I'm now the director of UX for retail at Shopify.
0: So as we've been doing these episodes, it's been really interesting to kind of shine a light on the way in which different parts of Shopify focus on specific problems. So what is the problem set that the retail team focuses on?
1: Yeah, I know retail is kind of a a, a vague word. And so for us, it means uh, all the commerce that happens in person. So think traditional brick and mortar stores, which would make our primary products, the point of sale uh, and the hardware that goes along with it. And so for us, it's really about empowering those entrepreneurs. We believe strongly in community and local commerce and really the opportunity to bring people together in a store.
0: That's super interesting because that introduces the concept of hardware, which I don't know how many people are aware that we have a team that focuses on in-store hardware as well as the software. So what's it like having that as a focus focus area in your team?
1: Yeah, it's been a, a really great ride at the beginning. I was asked by by one of our senior folks to build a hardware team, uh, an industrial design team, and it's not an area that I have traditional training in or a lot of experience, to be honest. And so, At the beginning, it was a little nerve wracking, to be honest, we hired our first industrial designer. I was pretty clear with him that I did not have a background in this space, but, you know, I knew product design and I knew design more generally. And so if he was willing to teach me the ropes and kind of be patient with me, as far as the details go, I could do my best to help him be successful in a team that was really focused on product design. And from there, you know, we've worked together. We're now about six industrial designers on the team. Really focused on just bringing the hardware that Shopify offers to our merchants up to the same level of quality as the rest of our products seek to ma- obtain. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been quite a ride, but it's been really, really educational for me as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of designers, because we're all kind of, you know, we we're, we're interested in multiple design areas, but this industrial design is almost like a hobby area for a lot of us as opposed mm-hmm. to like an area we get to lead in what specific bits of hardware are you guys actually working on in the team
1: then? Yeah, so we kind of work from the inside out. And so at at the most important and kind of uh, critical point of the store is the ability to accept payments. And so the primary, primary focus for us has been on card readers and hardware that kind of complement that experience. And so last year we released the retail kit. It's a tap and chip card reader. We have an iPad stand that connects to the reader as well as a dock um, for powering the reader throughout the day. The reader can also be removed from the dock for more portable mobile use. And so this was our kind of first real stab at a countertop solution um, that also offered some mobile ability.
0: So how does that connect to the software work that you do in retail team?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. With this one, the integrations were less than some of our future projects, but still important. We had the opportunity with our own hardware to be a little bit more friendly with onboarding and how things pair, but we're still bound by... Uh, you know the laws of bluetooth and some of the technology that's available in in the market and so for us it's really just about doing anything we can to ensure the best and most reliable connection and experience between the hardware and the software and then handling cases where things don't go well and so if the reader is low on battery or starts to disconnect or gets too far from the ipad we can handle things a little more gracefully than we would with uh, just a traditional third-party piece of hardware
0: I love the, I mean, there's something very Shopify in like what I have observed about our retails kit setup. in that it it is kind of like you need an iPad, but it's effectively a bring your own device model. Mm -hmm. And the bit we focused on is the bit that you wouldn't have normally. So there's like the same ethos of enabling a merchant to be quite flexible and nimble with all of the things they need to have in place before they start and then giving them just enough Mm -hmm. kit. Ie the card reader to take it to another level. You know that just it, there's something quite. I love that energy that we're able to kind of bring smart ideas to the table as opposed to like, let's design a giant physical point of sale full stack machine that's like six foot tall with all the bells and whistles on it. You know that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a few few philosophies here, and we've seen different competitors in the market take different ones. And for us. As you said, it's really about acknowledging that for, for our merchants, there's a huge variety in, in terms of store setup and store size and complexity. And we just didn't believe that a one size fits all solution was really the best approach here. And so to your point, we, we really focused on flexibility in terms of the offering. And so with what we offer today, you can set it up as a traditional countertop. We have a mobile phone case that fits various iPhone sizes that will attach the reader to the back of your phone. You can have multiple kits on the same counter. There's, there's lots of optionality in the way the kit is designed and really can suit a merchant at the smallest at a craft fair, right up to someone with six or seven terminals in a store. So um, in that sense, we think it's been successful for sure.
0: So zooming out and taking on like UX as a discipline, mm-hmm. your director of UX, you've now got industrial design and what we could maybe call traditional interface design, mm-hmm. having to partner together. What kinds of processes do you have in place or what types of rituals do you follow as a team to just keep that kind of holistic user experience kind of tightly focused on, even whilst you're making space for these different disciplines to to do their work?
1: Yeah, a couple of things we've tried. From the get-go, you know, with my my lack of traditional experience in the space, I just decided I'm gonna treat this team as any other design team I've run um, and Mm -hmm. use the same rituals and same processes through the, the work. And so from the get-go, we in, introduced them to the same design crits that we were doing we did fresh eyes. We basically just integrated the industrial design folks into the, the rest of the team. And it's, it's really worked. I think in a lot of ways, it's been educational for, as you said, the kind of more traditional interface design folks to, to see a new approach to design. And then for the hardware team, it's been really valuable for them. I think to see what the software design process looks like and, and really recognizing that there's so much similarity there. And on the other side for hardware, because, you know, in software you can design something and you can build it and you can ship it and then you can change it the next day and then you can fix something the day after, and you can really iterate in, in production. Whereas with hardware, obviously, you know, it's really 12 months before it's even for sale to the public that your decisions are basically locked in. And any changes after the fact are not only timely, but also expensive. Um, And in most cases, just impossible to get out to merchants without a greater process and so it's really forced a new level of rigor in terms of our design process with industrial design we have to be a little bit more formal about our the stages of design and when we're committing to things and how we're making decisions and documenting those decisions because a lot of them at certain points are one way Uh, and once you've made that decision you've you've kind of got to commit to it and so it's been a really healthy process to observe and i think it's really influenced the rest of the design team as well and the ux team to think about You know, how do we make decisions that we can actually just commit to? And if we think we have to live with something for quite some time, or does that make us think about the decision any differently than if we knew we could just change our minds tomorrow? So yeah, really a lot of great kind of cross, cross education and, and sharing of experiences between the two groups.
0: That's so interesting. And just to go back to a point you made, so it's, it's 12 months before something goes out to market that a merchant would see, but is that 12 months from beginning to end, or is that 12 months from? we agree, this is the thing we're going to build and it still takes 12 months for it to go into production and distribution, like what, what, or or to ask another way from conception to it's in market, what is the sort of length of time that you might see for like a hardware design cycle?
1: Yeah, it's, it does vary like with our, our phone case, which is really just a molded piece of plastic with some material. You know, that was a matter of months with anything more complicated. We're looking at, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 months, start to finish and really just recognizing that there's kind of discrete phases in that process. And so there's obviously the kind of exploratory conceptual stage where we're really looking at the problem we're trying to solve and really going wide on, on the options available to us. Once we narrow in on a, on a concept and a direction for what the product might be, we obviously explore that space as well. And so thinking about form and interaction and how this product is going to live inside a store. And then, you know, once we're narrowed in on a concept, there's this whole process of CMF, which is colors, materials, and finish. So we're looking at, you know, what material is this going to be made from that influences the, the manufacturing process down the road. So whether it's plastic or aluminum or, or something else, we'll, we'll have downstream effects with hardware. There's also a real tangible cost element that we need to consider with, you know, with digital products, you're not often thinking about how much a change is going to cost or how much this feature is going to cost. You just think about if it's a good decision or not. Whereas with hardware, the materials um, and we're working at scale uh, can really influence your decision-making. And then, yeah, from there, we, you know, we start looping in the vendors and the manufacturers, and often we'll do an audit of the manufacturers that we're considering uh, before we make a decision. And then we enter, you know, various kind of prototype phases where they're starting to build engineering prototypes that we can validate in terms of functionality, and then we move on to design validation. And so they're um, starting to work with actual materials and produce prototypes that are really lookalikes to what we expect the final product to be. Um, And then this last phase is really um, around designing for manufacturing. And so we create molds and tools and this whole assembly line to, to basically churn out these products. And oftentimes there will be changes needed to be made to the product design itself to accommodate the constraints given to us by the manufacturers. And so there's a whole back and forth, to ensure we've built a product and designed a product that can also be manufactured at scale. And then from there, you go into the standard kind of QA and, we can start rolling up betas and things like that. But with all those steps in place, you can see how it would take, you know, months, if not years, in some cases for these products to come to life.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. and And it's definitely one of those where it's like. It puts a different lens on the concept of like lean approaches. Um, mm-hmm. When you have an industrial com- design component and you've got a piece of software that maybe needs to go out and, you know, if you're planning for a big release, actually syncing up those processes requires a little bit more coordination because you don't necessarily want your all of your software design to be happening in the last mile of the hardware mm-hmm. stuff. So that that must be interesting that dynamic of like aligning the roadmaps the two sides so that they actually meet at the right point without having like crazy software bloat and still allowing enough time for sort of hardware to be to be built and and put out to market
1: yeah it introduces a whole number of of factors that we just haven't had to consider in the past and you know everything from how we ship the readers and the logistics and we had to build uh a new part of our hardware store to enable this the you know selling kits like this Uh, there's just a a a huge number of pieces that all kind of need to come together when you're trying to plan a launch date and then you've got to think about photography and renders and all the marketing collateral. That is a bit more complicated to produce than with digital products. And so, yeah, it's really, you know, kind of a full, full team, full scale effort to get stuff like this out the door.
0: Amazing. And so tell me how like this year of our 2020 and obviously a global pandemic and um, certainly Shopify's hustle to try and double down on the things that matter most to our merchants, like how has that? changed either the way your team's working or the types of problems that you're working on
1: yeah it's an interesting question and it and it really you know at the beginning of this year i think we were a little thrown off just because for us you know in-person retail suddenly became impossible in, mm. in most places of the world and for a lot of our, our merchants there was a real sense of just anxiety and fear and uncertainty about the future but what we did was we looked at our roadmap and we looked at what we were planning to build now and in the future. And what we really felt was just this sense that this was pulling the future uh, into the present more quickly than we expected. But it didn't really introduce you know, new problems that we hadn't anticipated. And so things like buy online, pick up in store and curbside pickup and contactless payments and better inventory across all your channels, inventory management seeing what's in your retail store from your online store these are all things that were on our plan um, and on our roadmap and things we were you know expecting to get to in the next couple years. And so it was really just a matter of kind of cherry picking these things that we felt were most impactful right now and today given this new climate and just prioritizing those over everything. And so the team you know really came together and doubled down on what we thought were the right features to bring our merchants through this. And then in parallel, I know there was a lot of effort to help our retailers set up online stores where they didn't have one and shift their customer base online so that they could, you know, still sell to their customers and maintain those relationships through this time.
0: Yeah. There's, I, I like, I've loved seeing how the retail team have hustled around things like buy online, pick up in store and inventory because it, you know, we have the Shopify mission of like make commerce better for everyone mm-hmm. and the the implication or the way that I see us trying to live up to that this year is make it easier to keep commerce going for everyone, you know, give people options so they don't feel like, oh, I've had to shut my doors. Therefore I don't have a business or I can only sell online. Therefore I can't be present at the local market. It's like, actually it's more about giving people like genuine choice and making it as easy Mm -hmm. as possible for them to kind of pivot around those choices, which is, it's quite powerful, you know, to be able to, to offer that, to the broader set of merchants that that we service you know
1: totally and you know unsurprisingly we saw a huge dip in in retail sales and traffic through march and april and it was really concerning for a lot of our merchants but it was really exciting in our our you know report at the end of june to share that for most of our merchants they'd made up basically the entirety of their lost sales by shifting to online and offering curbside pickup and and things that we had put in place and so you know, still a very difficult year for everyone, but it was really, yeah, just inspiring and encouraging to see that we were making a material difference here and that we were helping these retailers who have come alongside us for so many years, weather this storm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And without sort of giving away too many secrets, are there mm-hmm. particular things that you can share about like what's on your roadmap going forward that you're excited about or You know, I, you know, both from a, like the impact we could have on our merchants, Mm -hmm. but also from like, as a design leader, like particular problems that you're really looking forward to getting stuck into within the team.
1: Yeah. I think from a, from a product perspective, you know, the, the superpower that, that our retail offering has is really the rest of the Shopify ecosystem that surrounds it. And so we're always looking for, for more and better ways to integrate with the rest of Shopify and really deliver that promise of, of omni-channel selling. We think the better we can integrate with, you know, our shop app and our online store and the other channels that we provide. And as I mentioned, you know, things like inventory and reporting, all those things are just going to make our, our point of sale offering just so much better. And then from an in-store perspective, you know, obviously the world has changed drastically and, you know, no one knows where things are going to land, but we're we're constantly looking at what we expect the future of retail to look like. And some trends are already starting to emerge that we're exploring and then from just a design perspective, like I, I really believe in the power of integration and just taking systems that are cobbled together of, of many pieces and eliminating some of that complexity by just bundling things together and and combining software and hardware and really just offering merchants a level of simplicity that they just haven't experienced before. You know, we've done a lot of research. We spend a lot of time with our merchants in their stores and... It's humbling to see that, you know, our product is not the center of their universe. It's really just a tool in their store. And frankly, the less they have to think about it, the better. And so, you know, if we can just give them a box and they open the box and, uh, you know, whatever's in that box is ready to go, uh, I think we've done a better job than, than we have today where, you know, there's, they're pairing things over Bluetooth and they're setting up multiple devices and they're making sure this whole system is connected Mm -hmm. together. So yeah, that's a direction I think we can, we can move in and really have some meaningful impact as well.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily PC to to say it, but like, it is in effect that the sort of the idiot's guide, like the foolproof, you know, don't worry about getting all of the language and understanding all the jargon about selling commerce and whatever. It's just, you have a product, you want to sell it, you're going to go to the market. This gives you everything you need and it's super quick. And I I really love that energy. And I think it's going to become more powerful going forward. I guess one final question, maybe broader um, than just sort of retail, but like as you see the evolution of like design in our practices, Mm -hmm. what are you seeing is is going to influence how we design for sort sort of the future? So are there particular things and skills that you're seeing are more important, you know, designers in your team have and acquire or that will become more valuable to all of us as we kind of navigate this post pandemic world as practitioners in design?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think two, two that jumped to mind, one, maybe it's just the shift to working from home and just realizing that, you know, you have to be really intentional about all the connections you're making, but also with our products. And as we mature as, as an organization, I'm seeing just these skills around systems design and systems thinking really becoming more critical to, to success. And it's no longer that you can just design uh, kind of in isolation and, and design something that doesn't really connect to other pieces. You know, speaking for Shopify, we have, you know, everything is integrated, everything is connected um, and related. And so when we're thinking of uh, even the smallest features, it's important for us to reach out to a number of teams who might be impacted and who might have a say in things and who might want to build a complementary feature on their side. And so just this ability to see the big picture um, and recognize that, you know, we are designing and building a system, not just isolated pieces is really helpful. And then as we've scaled as a team, you know, we're just under 40 on the team right now for retail UX, and we're building a suite of products now across hardware and software. I've really appreciated, and I'm a strong believer in in this concept of principle-based design. And so I like, you know, I'm a I'm a scientific guy. That's my education. I, I, I like rationale. I like principle decision making. And so, you know, I helped co-author the the experience principles for Shopify, and then I've authored a set of retail design principles that uh, we try and follow. And it's really been helpful for the team, I think, to to understand how are we collectively thinking about the design process and how are we collectively prioritizing the various aspects of our products and the design elements. And so when I see teams, when I see people come to me and, and we're sharing work and we're walking through it, and I can see evidence of just that principled approach where the decisions are not made, you know, on their own, but they're made uh, within a, a system that's been considered is just something I really value as well.
0: That's amazing. Well, thank you so so much for this chat, Darren. I think this has been a massively illuminating chat on like the retail problem space, and yeah, I'm I'm super excited to continue to sort of collaborate with your team and see the types of things that we're going to put out into the market. And like even just the next year, there's a lot in there that I'm like cannot wait to see what happens in the real world with this. So, thank you very much for your time.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Lola. It's always a pleasure to chat.
0: Amazing.